Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. The message today is actually called More Than Words. And Debbie's going to bring probably the second half of this message in a, in a couple of weeks. Next week, actually, we're sort of diving back into our Soul Health series and we're interviewing three guys up here. So it's going to be really, really cool. A great Sunday to be here to hear about... Um, about these guys' lives and, and how uh, they look after their souls. But today we're talking about more than words. Uh, James 3, if you've got your Bibles here today, I just want you to go to the book of James, James chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 4. Um, you could, like, I want to encourage you to read the verses, you know, above 4, below 4, the whole chapter. It's really good. But we're just going to get into this. It says, Take ships for an, as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider that a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire it gets intense here, people. It gets, it gets intense. It says, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and, and really pinnacle of intensity here, it, and itself set on fire by hell. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Selah. Let's just think about that. You know, at the start of uh, World War II, Germany hoped to, uh, to, to bring their presence into the Navy scene like they'd never had before. And they launched this battleship called the Bismarck. And um, they put a lot of uh, pride in, in the ship. They'd spent four years building this incredible vessel. But just after being in active duty for nine days... A small torpedo that was launched by a British aircraft crippled the ship by hitting its rudder. And, and with the rudder damaged, it was unable to maneuver and escape. And then the British warships came in and they attacked it, inflicting heavy da- damage. And, and in the end, the, the captain gave the order to, to scuttle the ship. And there were about 2,000 lives lost in that moment. Because the pilot lost control of his ship. The small rudder had significant um, impact in the the picture (laughs) of that boat's life and its existence. You know, about seven years ago, um, a friend of mine were were bantering around um, our children's sleep habits. And my my children at that time were not sleeping very well at all. Uh, he had like younger children, and um, he was um, he was just 
pretty much bragging about how how his kids slept all the time and through the night and all that sort of thing. And and so I just said to him, well, I prophesy sleepless nights over you. <laughs> I know, right? Small rudder, big impact. <laughs> Their kids then went into this horror time of not sleeping during the night, which he didn't tell me about immediately. And then he came to me a couple of months later and said, I remember you said this. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. And I renounced my words. And his kids seemed to sleep a lot better after that, or at least he didn't complain as much. (laughs) You know, an uncontrolled rudder leads to an unhappy outcome. Um, What we say is more than just words. Our words have the power to change and direct the course of our lives, like, you know, Debbie and my, I do towards one another. But our words actually can spill over and actually impact deeply the lives and the courses of the lives of others. You know, James 3 is essentially saying that our our words can reduce what was beautiful to ashes in the picture of that forest that our words can either refresh or they can pollute an environment. That our words give direction and purpose to our lives. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 21 verse 23 says this, those who guard their tongues keep themselves from Calamity. So let's be a people who do not waste their words. Let's make our words count. You know, one of the games I used to play as a child, and now occasionally I play with our children when we come across a small creek if we're out for a walk or something like that, is stick races. And basically, you know, you've got a point where you throw the sticks in and then you're like, okay, well, that bridge or that tussock or, you know, that's the finish line. And whoever's stick crosses the, the finish line first wins. I probably don't need to explain that. You, you, you probably understand stick races, actually. <laughs> but you watch these little sticks and you're like, yeah, my stick, Team New Zealand, you're going to. You're going to win. And, and, but a lot of the time, sticks get drawn into currents, into different currents, or they get stuck in a wee eddy, and they end up spinning round and, and round and round. And, and I just got to thinking as I was preparing this word that those sticks actually could be a, a lot like us. That the current of life, the current of opinion, the current of the media, the current that, that is spinning around through this world, you know, can actually draw us out of the current that we're called to flow in. And we can get caught up in eddies and we can get caught up in side tangents and, 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 and spin around in negativity in this season, especially in this season especially when any kind of gathering, you know, that we go to, generally the conversation always slides down to how bad your breath smells when you're wearing a mask. (laughs) We're all talking about COVID in this time. You know, we're all, it's it's our reality essentially, but 
Church, I don't believe in this season that we're meant to get caught up and just be going round and round and round in the eddies of our world. That we're, all, we're meant to speak life and live with great call and purpose to arise and shine in this season. And it's easier, yeah, I know it's easier to go with the flow, but as disciples of Jesus Christ, you know, sometimes we're called to actually go against the flow and to push against the flow, to swim upstream. And, and I want to encourage you in this season, if you're wrestling with all the, all the noise and you're trying to work out what do you think about what and what is God saying about some of these issues, and that I want to encourage you to turn off the TV for about five days, to stop listening to American or Australian prophets for a week, to just reopen the Word of God and, and allow Him to speak to your heart, to, to find his small, still voice in this season. Because, you know, the, the current that we're caught in is actually going to magnify the voice of God or it's going to actually reduce the voice of God in our lives. And, uh, and if we are aligning with words that activate suspicion and negativity, and, and we're going to be in a flow of that, and we're not going to be in the flow of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Lisa Bevere, she said this incredible quote. She said, hold strong convictions and gentle opinions. In other words, carry your convictions with wholehearted integrity, but with those things that are just opinions, because love covers a multitude of sins, you know, in that framework, we need to be wise with how we respond and wise about our words with who we're responding with as well. If my opinions... Personally, I know if my opinions are not subject to my, to, to, or not to my convictions, but to the convictions of God's word, I know I'll go rogue. <laughs> you know, an opinion, let me just remind you what an opinion is. An opinion is a view or judgment formed about something not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. Opinions are transient formed regularly and evolve quickly as new information emerges. And it's really easy to frame our opinions as a conviction or a judgment. In Romans 14, it says this, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. It's interesting that our judgments can become stumbling blocks. You know, when we cross into judgment is when we... I want to give you a few thoughts here about what, you know, how do you know that you're in judgment or... Or not, but we, we can cross into judgment when we assume that we understand someone's motives. We can we can cross into judgment when we assume that we know better. Or we can cross into judgment when we're really willing to give lots of advice 
and opinions without having empathy or compassion for the target of our conversation or our discourse. So I think at this time that we need to be really guarded in in regards and careful to make sure that our opinions aren't driven by our personal judgments and then biblic and then sorry broadcast as biblical convictions. Let me say that again. We need to be careful to make sure that our opinions aren't driven by personal judgments and then broadcast as biblical convictions. I got a really heavy verse for you here. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5:10. Somebody encourage me. <laughs> For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. See, the judgment seat is not ours to decree from. The judgment seat belongs to Christ. And there's a big conversation about this, all right? So we could... We could talk about this all day because we're called to discern and we are called to filter information, but it must actually match up with the standard of the Bible. It says this in Matthew 7. Do not judge or you'll be judged. Jesus says this. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then it goes on to say, hey, you remove the plank out of your own eye before you look for the speck in somebody else's. And like we're in an age where it's, it's our right to have an opinion like never before. <laughs> and we're expected to have an answer and an opinion and, and a judgment about what we think about everything that's going on in the world. And therefore, it's so easy for us to just judge someone else without knowing them or without understanding their heart. And I just want to encourage you, church, that you don't have to come to some conclusions that the world is pressing you to come towards. That you could really take your time and it's, and it's really healthy to take your time to consider before you just heard, you've heard someone say something and you just jump to that because, oh, that, I, I can relate to that. <laughs> We've got to watch the filters, our own personal filters that we put over the, the commentary of the media and of the world today. In John 21, when Peter turned and he saw that, um, that, that when, sorry, when, when, no, it is. Good word, it's the word of God. When Peter turned and saw that John was following them, he was with Jesus, that's the context. And he said, Lord, what about him? Hey, Jesus, what about this guy who's following us? And Jesus answered, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Jesus is just like straight up to Peter, take ownership for your own walk. Get your eyes off what other people are doing and how they're following and how they're, you know, where, where they are in the picture. This, is, this walk is about you and me, Peter. 
Because when we focus on what others are doing and their path and their walk, you know, we take our eyes off our own path, our own walk with Jesus. We actually leak emotional energy when we start comparing ourselves and looking to others and judging others. You know, um, Jesus has this moment where he is, I would say, the most entitled to bring down the hammer of judgment. He's an innocent man. He's hanging on the cross. He's enduring an intense pain inflicted to him by others. And in this moment, he said, you know, we say stuff when we're in pain, don't we? We're like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. We tend to leak <laughs> from the bitter well. I know sometimes that's me. Yet Jesus here, enduring incredible pain, aware of his oppressors and essentially his murderers, he says in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This was to the Romans, to the ones who were crucifying him. Because our words are really just a mirror of our heart. You know, Jesus in that moment, his heart is pure. Under extreme pain, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, he isn't complaining, he's not blaming, he's not finger pointing to those in authority over him that he had actually submitted to. He, in this moment, he empathizes with their ignorance. I don't know what they're doing, Father. They don't know what they're doing, and he, and he extends forgiveness towards them and and his response is actually to intercede, to pray for the Roman government. Father, forgive them. He prays for their salvation, for those who are oppressing him and, and killing him. And I know that when we're feeling powerless or in pain or we're threatened, well, we can just like, we can just let our words fly. <laughs> our words just, woo, they're just like machine guns sometimes. But I want to just remind you and myself that we are most empowered when we choose to release words of life, forgiveness, mercy, and grace. I also want to remind you as well that honoring our leaders doesn't mean that we have to trust them or like them or understand what they're doing. But maybe honoring the leaders in our, in our nation starts with understanding their ignorance. <laughs> like Jesus did, they don't know what they're doing. And how can we as Christians expect them who do not understand the kingdom of heaven, of salvation, of his love, for those ones who are overseeing our nation, they don't understand that. They don't know what they're doing. We can't expect them to see the world through the same filter we do, I think he's calling us to have empathy for them, for praying for them, and not necessarily condemning them. You know, one of the um, leadership mantras for the U.S. Navy SEALs is extreme ownership. And this kind of, frame it this way, if they are 
flown into a situation with an incorrect intelligent. They actually get dropped in the long location. They don't ring up HQ and complain and blame. But they take extreme ownership of the situation they find themselves in. They hold responsibility for their surroundings and their resources. They make a note of the lessons that uh, can be learned. They communicate objectively and then they move ahead. And they say in this article I was reading about the Navy SEALs that the advantage of taking extreme ownership is that you are pushed towards action so it's no longer possible to wallow in complaints and criticism. This is a a time for action. Through the lens of love. (laughs) This is my last scripture I want to read to you from Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, we'll go to verse 3, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke at the sound of their voices. Wow. Woe to me, I cried, for I'm ruined from a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken uh, with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. It's such a powerful picture of a heavenly vision and visitation. And I couldn't help but look at this and and see Isaiah taking extreme ownership of his mouth. Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. My whole world, you know, my, my society, the... We're, we have unclean lips. We just say things that we regret saying and we, we, we just spout things out without regard. But he took extreme ownership and he said, Jesus, I need a cleansing touch because I can't be someone who just speaks the Word of God and then bubbles up with pain and fear and hatred and judgment. And he knew he needed a cleansing touch and he took ownership for his own words in this moment. And he knew that without that cleansing touch of the Holy Spirit, that cleansing touch of Jesus Christ, that he could not be commissioned to go with the word of the Lord. 
you know, I just, I have a sense that we just, you know, we need, we need cleansing before commissioning. Who will go for me, says the Lord, I will go. And that question and it was given to him after he was cleansed. And I want to, you know, Isaiah, <laughs> one of the greatest prophets who ever lived, if, if he needed a cleansing touch, perhaps we need a cleansing touch too. And I, be, I believe in this hour that, you know, our first point of like response for the church is to level up in our purity, is to level up in holiness, to level up in our speech, to level up in our discernment. We need our lips cleansed. Maybe we need some lip balm from heaven today. Maybe you can relate to that. You're like, oh man, what I said yesterday, what I said last week, what I'm struggling with, all this uncertainty of this age, I just need the cleansing touch of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today you've just realized that you've been operating in judgment, assuming that you understand different people's motives and you just cross at people and you don't even understand their hearts. You know, our words are really just a mirror of our heart. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 